0: This program deals with themes of an adult nature, and is intended for a mature audience.
1: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings.
2: would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must
1: guard against the military-industrial hunter. UFOs,
2: paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Mary Pats, because the truth will set you free.
1: Headline edition July 8th, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as proud as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. The power they took from the people will return to the people.
2: The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth.
1: Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are a charge of the dust when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up.
2: Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making it all possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview, And all of our material. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, USB drives with all our seasons, and more. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest, or are a whistleblower, there is a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. Tonight, I will ask you to be skeptical, but have an open mind. Our special guest is Lawrence R. Spencer, editor of the book Alien Interview. The content of this book and tonight's discussion comes allegedly from official top-secret U.S. Army Air Force interview transcripts and personal notes received from the late Matilda O'Donnell McIlroy. The material we will discuss is based on a series of interviews she conducted with an extraterrestrial being As part of her official duty as a nurse in the U.S. Army Air Force, the extraterrestrial she interviewed identified itself as an officer, pilot, and engineer of the Domain Expeditionary Force, a race of beings who have been using the asteroid belt in our solar system as an intergalactic base of operations for the past 10,000 years. Her dying request was that the transcripts finally be released to the world. In a letter received with the transcripts, Mrs. McElroy says, quote, Mankind needs to know the answers to questions which are contained in these documents. Who are we? Where did we come from? What is our purpose on Earth? If there is intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, why have they not contacted us? It is vital that people understand the devastating consequences to our physical and spiritual survival if we fail to take effective action to undo the long-standing and pervasive effects of alien intervention on Earth. For this and much more, Lawrence R. Spencer, right now on Veritas. Lawrence R. Spencer, is the author of eight books. His books explore facts and fantasies of universes, both physical and spiritual, including Western history, art, mythology, personal and spiritual immortality, logic, and science fiction. Mr. Spencer is also the editor of the book Alien Interview, including transcripts, letters, and personal notes provided by the late Army Air Force nurse Matilda McIlroy concerning the Roswell UFO crash in 1947. Spencer is a business consultant and multimedia producer. The author of Alien Interview is the Roswell U.S. Army Air Force nurse Matilda O'Donnell McElroy. Lawrence R. Spencer organized and edited the material received from her into a publishable format and added footnotes for clarification and edification of the letters, notes, and military interview transcripts she mailed to him shortly before her death. And Directly from Lincoln, Northern California. I would like to welcome Lawrence R. Spencer to Veritas. Hello, Mr. Spencer. and Welcome. How are you?
1: I'm good, Mel. Thank you for having me.
2: My pleasure. May I call you Lawrence?
1: That's my name.
2: Thank you. Well, a few weeks ago, a few of our, my listeners, and for a long time now, probably a few years, I've been looking at, at the book and, and, and people emailing me asking, you know, when are you going to interview uh, Mr. Spencer? And I'm glad that we have you here. This is a very Very fascinating story, but right from the beginning, and I really appreciate the fact that you are very upfront in stating that you never met the author Matilda O'Donnell McElroy, and the reader should come to their own conclusion because this is one of those stories that we cannot confirm. Can you please express that to the audience just to make sure we set the stage?
1: Yeah, um, the the origin of the material from as far as uh, my contact with it, began in uh, when I was researching a book that I wrote, the first book that I wrote called The Oz Factors. Uh, And the editor of that book, Carol South, who has since passed from breast cancer, uh, she was very much into uh, the paranormal and all all things UFO, and she would stay up half the night listening to Art Bell and all of that sort of thing. Uh, so that field of study was really her forte, and I had no familiar, familiarity with it, um, except for her. But uh, as I recall, she was the one who came across, in, during our uh a phone number for someone who, she was told, might know something about the Roswell incident. Well, the book, our book wasn't anything about the Roswell incident specifically, but... Um, you know, just out of curiosity, kind of on a lark, I called the phone number and slated answers, and it was Matilda McElroy. This was in 1998, um, which is now, what, 16 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I told her, you know, that we were told that maybe she knew something about what had occurred at Roswell in 1947, and she said, well, I can't have no information for you about that, but... Um, except that, you know, she was a nurse in the Army Air Force. I called this this lady on the phone in 1998. I spoke to her for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and I told her that, you know, we were researching this book and described the general idea of the book to her and, and so forth. So that was about all there was to that, and I completely forgot about it. Uh, she said she was interested in reading the book when it was done, so I Mailed her a copy of the book. At that time, she was living uh, near an Air Force base uh, in Montana. It was called the, uh, um, she the name of the Air Force Base, or oh, the Glasgow Air Force Base, that's it was. Um, where she had been placed, as I learned later in, uh, under government protection, so to speak, uh, at this Air Force Base where she had lived in. Um, at the time that I that I called.
2: Almost like witness protection.
1: Yeah, sort of like a reverse version of <laughs> the, the the government is protecting her from the rest of the world because right. of what she knows. Um so anyway, long story short, uh, I did send her the book and as I said I forgot all about it. And then ten years later, in nineteen ninety in two thousand seven, I received this, this big envelope full of uh The transcripts from this interview, uh, a bunch of handwritten personal notes from her and some typewritten personal notes from her uh, describing this interview that occurred at the Roswell uh, Air Force Base in 1947 with the surviving pilot of the UFO that crashed there at that time. Uh, So, as you can well imagine, I was initially, I was... Very skeptical to say the least, but the fact that I had spoken to her briefly on the phone uh, led me to at least take a look at the material. The actual transcript documents themselves seem to look authentic. I mean, I'm no I'm certainly no expert on documents, but they certainly look like they could have been original documents. They were they were typed as far as I could tell on. Uh, the original paper. The paper seemed to be very old. It was folded. Uh, the handwritten notes were obviously handwritten, so on and so forth. So anyway, uh, I decided to, well, I'll see if I can verify whether or any of this is authentic. So uh, I undertook a, a process of, it took me I don't know, six or seven months to go through and read everything and try to put it in some kind of sequential fashion uh her notes integrated into the transcripts um and so i I added footnotes to every everything in the documents that i could find that could be substantiated through internet research which is all i had available to me really and most of which i was just using on wikipedia commonly accessible information that anyone can uh do the research on because I'm no research expert. I'm certainly no expert in UFOs or Roswell or anything like that. So anyway, I did my due diligence on that. Got it all put together. All the while, um, I was paranoid about having received these what I was looked to me like top secrets stolen government documents. And uh, you know, I'm no hero. Uh, I'm a coward. Oops. <laughs> hmm. uh, I don't have one have any government agent come to my door and said, you're in possession of secret documents, you're under arrest, we're going to shoot you in the head and die, 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 or whatever. I might have anything to do with that. So uh, anyway, in her letter to me, uh, two of the letters, there were two letters included, the last letter, she asked me, based on having read my book, apparently she felt that uh, I could be trusted to uh, published the documents exactly as I had received them, which I did proceed to do. Um, after you've read the material, it's it's quite a changes your reality about things quite substantially, at least it did for me. I was really quite shaken by the whole thing, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, as many people are who have reported me to the to me, over the last two and a half years since it was published. But nonetheless, uh, I felt that the information uh, should be known. Uh, I think it's important that the information be known. But on the other hand, everybody has to do their own due diligence the same as I do. I think it's, uh, I'm not the author of the material. It's not my material. It's not my job to defend it or anything like that. I just thought, okay, this lady is wants me to publish it, I know how to do this, so I went ahead and did it, and then I destroyed all the original documents, uh, and I I wrote in my disclaimer at the beginning of the book exactly my reasons for doing so, uh, mainly because, as I say, I, I don't want to have been hounded the rest of my life or chased around by government agents or reporters or anybody else. I'm a private person. I don't have anything to do with Roswell or UFOs. I've never seen a UFO. I've never been abducted or any of that stuff. Uh, I, I could care less.
2: Um, I'm pretty sure, Lawrence, that uh, because of this, and, and I've spoken to other people who have uh, have had their, for example, some, some of them have taken footage or uh, photographs or video, and the original negatives have been confiscated, and they're allowed to continue publishing their information because there's plausible deniability, because they cannot prove that they have the negatives. In this case, because you destroy the quote-unquote evidence, they can't come to you and say, in other words, there's plausible deniability, self-inflicted in a way to protect yourself. Is that why you did it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if a if a government agent showed up at my door today saying, "You know, we're you're under arrest because you you published these stolen documents," I would say, "Hey, it's a science fiction story. I made the whole thing up." Right. And it's up to you to prove otherwise. And I don't think anybody could prove otherwise. Uh, and thousands of people have tried to. So I could care less, you no know, one way or the other. It's, of course. I published it. Everybody does what they're going to do with it, and whatever.
2: At the same time. Some people, and I'm just playing devil's advocate from the beginning. Some people may say, "Well, he's also a science fiction writer. Could it be that because you have, you know, your intellectual and, and and prowess as a writer, that some people may say, you know, I wonder if he just came up with the with the story, or he injected some of his science fiction stories into this? Can you confirm or deny this from the beginning?"
1: Well, <laughs> first of all. Uh, I'm flattered by the the accusation that I might have been I might be creative enough or a genius enough as a writer to have written this material uh, because frankly, it's beyond my I mean, when I first read it, I thought, wow, this is the most wild and crazy stuff uh, imaginable
2: this is this is Steven Spielberg and George Lucas put together maybe ten times, <laughs>
1: really? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so you know, I'm actually, I laugh every time anybody says, oh, you must have written this yourself. Yeah, okay, well, whatever. Obviously, you haven't written the other things that I've written.
0: Exactly.
1: But moreover, um, generally, people who make that suggestion um, find the whole thing very, very incredible, which I absolutely, completely understand. I found the whole thing very, very incredible myself, and I still do. Uh, to this day, to some greater or lesser degree, except that I've had four years to live with the material and many, many, many other researchers, authorities, people who are really, truly experts on the subject have done their due diligence and investigation and reported to me that uh, that the material is very highly factual, which, you know, I'll... anyway, so I have to take the word for it because as I say, no, I'm no expert. So you
2: you spoke to to Matilda. You spoke to Matilda on the phone multiple times. No, 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 just that one time. That one time only.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can't even verify that Matilda was a real person. And I, I can't even verify that that's her actual name. In fact, my conclusion is that that's not her name. That's a name that she was given or assumed herself to hide her identity and her location, of course. And so forth. You know, which is, I guess, fairly common practice for somebody who's um, been, you know, under government. Surveillance or witness or whatever, you know, they don't reveal their identity to the world for obvious reasons. Of course. Moreover, in the you know in the documents or in the letters, she says, you know, you know, I'm asking you to publish this, but I don't want you to risk your life to do it. You know, because lots of people have been killed over the years, Uh, and I've heard many, many, many stories. Subsequently, over the years, I've been told by many people who were Either witnesses or mostly second-hand witnesses are people who have interviewed. I know one fellow who's interviewed 100 people who were at Roswell or lived in Roswell at, during that era. There were uh, either first-hand or second-hand witnesses to the events that occurred surrounding the uh, cover-up of the Roswell incident. And indeed, many of those people's lives were ruined, disrupted, uh, threatened by the military to 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 keep it secret, you know, to shut stay shut up about the whole thing. So, you know, I believe that. I mean, I believe that it's not a safe thing to flaunt to the world if you have firsthand knowledge of it. Then probably a good idea to stay shut up if you value your life. But again, this is sixty what? How many years ago is this? Sixty some years ago. Uh. You know, so perhaps things have changed in that regard as regards the filling on the part of the government that has to be covered up.
2: Now, do you, I know that you mentioned that you did this before her death. How did you confirm that she passed away?
1: Uh, well, the only way I, I confirmed it two ways. One is she mentioned in her last letter that uh, she and her husband had moved to Ireland, where I guess his family was from. And uh, that they were going to um, commit suicide together. Um, she was at like 83.
0: 83- Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com.